You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hi there, Served Up friends. Thanks for tuning in. Julie here. As we continue to celebrate AAPI Heritage Month of May, I am honored to introduce you to Sheena Yap-Chan, host of the award-winning podcast called The Tao of Self-Confidence and co-author of the international best-selling book, Asian Woman Who Boss Up. Sheena's mission is to help Asian women boost their confidence, live their authentic selves, and help create a voice in the world and create a stronger representation for Asian women. Now sit back, grab your favorite cocktail, and get inspired. Thank you so much for joining us on Served Up today. Hey, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here today. So I'm just excited about this talk that we're going to have. Me too. And it is um, a wonderful time of the year for us. It's Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Um, So happy month of May to you. Same here. Happy AAPI Heritage Month. Sheena, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. I know you're doing so much uh, for the AAPI community with your podcast, The Tao of Self-Confidence, and your your book series, and the most recent one, Asian Woman Who Boss Up. So take us back. Tell us a little bit about your your personal journey growing up and, and where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So first off, I was actually born in the Philippines. And I moved to Toronto, Canada when I was seven. And I think that's where it started my whole, you know, empowering our community, empowering Asian women, because back then I never saw anybody that looked like me on TV, on billboards or, you know, any form of media. And so part of me always felt like I was ashamed of being Asian. You know, at one point I wanted blonde hair and blue eyes because that's what I thought being beautiful was. And so it wasn't until my twenties where I realized I was Asian and I embraced being Asian and I went from coloring my hair from blonde back to my original color. And so I was always finding ways to empower our communities, tell our stories, create a better representation, dismantle the negative stereotypes that we still go through till this day. And I really didn't know where to start, to be honest. You know, I was just like, I knew I wanted a platform, but I didn't know where. And lo and behold, I found podcasts. Back then, I had no clue what a podcast was. I just knew they were on iTunes. And so I actually decided to um, invest in a course to figure out what it is, how to set it up, how, you know, have a community that can help me with feedback if I needed any, because I was a first timer. I had no clue what was going on. And so I started my podcast called The Tao of Self-Confidence. Now, back then, there wasn't a lot of Asian people podcasting. Like There was probably one guy who was talking about, you know, empowering Asian, Asian Americans. And I said, I see one guy doing it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so I did it. I started the Tao of Self-Confidence, where I interview Asian women about their journey to self-confidence. And since then, I've interviewed over 700 Asian women on this topic. 
So from around the world, different Asian backgrounds, different career um, backgrounds, you know, very different journeys and stories that we all can relate to. And it's been such a blessing to be able to hear the stories, to have guests that are willing to share their stories, because I know sometimes it's not always easy, especially coming from a culture where we're told to bow our head down, never make any noise, just stay in the background. This is not the time to do it, to do that, especially with what's been happening in our community. So as much as I love my podcast, it was still a very small platform compared to TV and books and other forms of media. I mean, I think till this to this date, there's probably a little over 2 million podcast shows that are up and, you know, compared to like over a hundred million blogs and YouTube channels, it's definitely a very small fraction. So I knew I wanted to put myself out there, really create visibility for Asian women, you know, kind of like how BTS is right now, <laughs> worldwide domination. And so in, in the summer of 2020, um, actually met a lady online who started a book series and out of the conversation, we decided, why not we, why don't we make a book highlighting Asian women? And I said, that was it. That's what I was looking for, you know, because a book is a great way to share our stories. It's something that people can see, right? Especially when you see 16 Asian women on the front cover of a book, that's very powerful. And so we went ahead and created the book, Asian Women Who Boss Up. Of course, it wasn't a walk in the park. We knew we were committed to creating this book, even if it took a year but I'm glad it didn't. And so in February of 2021, we launched the book. Now, when we launched the book, we also didn't know that Stop Asian Hate was going to be happening. We really wanted a book to highlight Asian women, to highlight their stories, to create a stronger representation. So I guess it was just divine timing that it came out the same time all these attacks were happening. And this was important because Asian women are two and a half times more likely to get targeted than men, right? Um, And that's due to our negative stereotypes. We're seen as quiet and submissive. We're not going to go out there and tell people what's happening because our culture also tells us to never make any noise, never say anything bad that happens to you, suppress our feelings. And that really hurts us in the end. I know this month is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, but this month is also Mental Health Awareness Month. So, you know, our community and mental health go hand in hand because mental health has been such a taboo in our community and we need to normalize it so we can help our community, empower our our community and show up as our best self. So since then, you know, this book has been not a huge ride, you know, been able to speak on many different stages for companies such as, you know, Live Nation have been on different um, TV channels from around the world, have been able to connect with so many amazing women. And we're actually creating another Asian women who boss up series called Asian women trailblazers who boss up. So it wasn't always a walk in the park, but it's definitely worth the ride. Wow. Just congratulations on, you know, all the work that you've done. I mean, starting with the podcast, continuing that, and then starting with, and then having the book series. So what year was it when you started the podcast, the Tao of Self-Confidence? I started, I launched it in September of 2015. So it's been around for a long, long time. Well, that's something special. You know, I think the popularity of a podcast just keep increasing and and just having a place where where you can kind of record and, and memorialize um, so many great conversations that you've had. And so growing up in in Canada, what's that, what was that experience like for you? You know, I mean, I, I think I, I usually get perspective just from my family and all my friends, you know, growing up in, in the U.S. And um, we all grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. So it's kind of close to Canada, but still probably a whole different experience. I'd love to know from you, um, 
your experience. I think one of the things too, it was really shocking when we saw the the stop AAPI data aggregate of, of even a lot of the hate crimes coming out of Canada. You know, I mean, you don't really, you always think like Canada's everybody's nice and there's, you know, and, and there's such a huge Asian population, especially in Vancouver and, and some of these places. So I'd, I'd just love to hear your experience and kind of your interpretation of how the Asian hate has been, you know, directly relate, you know, or what that experience was like in Canada. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I mentioned before, growing up in Canada, you know, in in the early 90s, there was no representation out there for Asians. Um, You know, the first TV show I saw was All American Girl with Margaret Cho. And to be honest, that didn't really last too long. And then, of course, you know, one of my all time favorite movies, uh, The Joy Luck Club came out and it was the first time, you know, I I heard our stories and the things we went through, right? That's something we could relate to. And then you kind of fast forward 20 years and then there was nothing after that, right? Then you have Fresh Off the Boat, Crazy Rich Asians and so on. I mean, I love where I live. Toronto is a very multicultural city. I say everyone should go out there and visit minus the winter because winter sucks there. But other than that, it's a very multicultural city. And yes, we do have, you know, we do experience racism, right? That was the one thing that always boggled my mind. Everyone's like, well, racism doesn't happen in Canada because everyone is so nice there. Uh, when it's really the total opposite, you know, people don't realize Canada, the Canada has the highest per capita rate on racist attacks. I had an aunt who was, you know, spat on walking along downtown Toronto because of it. And so it's important to talk about these things to bring awareness, because not only that, most people think racism against Asians only happened during the pandemic, but it's been happening for a long time, you know, for centuries. It's just you know, it was never in the history books. Nobody ever talked about it. Nobody, nobody ever talked about, you know, the Chinese Exclusion Act that really bars you from entering a country because of your cultural background. I mean, I don't think it gets as racist as that. Right. I mean, and it happened in America and in Canada. And those are just some of the things that we go through. I mean, I didn't even know back then Filipino women were not allowed to enter the U.S. unless they were married. So there were so many things that was happening um, that we don't know about, that we still don't know about today. You know, one of the things that I learned that Laos, the country of Laos is the most bomb country in the world. And they're still working to get every single bomb out of Laos till this day because it happened during the Vietnam War. And, you know, you're thinking Laos is such a small country, yet it's the most bomb country. And there's a history behind that as well. And, you know, it's it's scary when you think, you know, you're walking in this country and that next step could be a bomb that could explode. And so that's why they're working so hard to uh, take those out as much as they can. So growing up in Canada, it was also, you know, great that there was that multicultural, you know, diversity, but at the same time, we still go through those things, right? I remember, you know, walking down the street and like, you know, this random guy starts yelling out racial slurs, like it was okay, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's not okay. I mean, we all don't live um, or we all weren't the first people, you know, in Canada and America. And yet so many people, people tell us to go back to China when, you know, most of those people are immigrants themselves. So I can go on about that, but that could be for another story or another time. Yeah. And I, I feel you, I feel like the racism towards Asians have always been so downplayed and it's a lot of like this passive aggressive kind of comments, you know, whether it's, it's, um, the certain characteristics of how we look our eyes or, 
you know, the minority myth and, and all of that, that it's like, oh, that's not being racist. It's just this. Right. And I think that what we've learned with um, recently, and I know a commitment that I made is that you can't be complicit. You know, racism is racism. There's not an extreme form or that meter. Like it's okay to say racist things to these people in this way, but not this way. Right. Like you're, if you're racist and saying racist remarks, it's, it's racist. What do you feel like we can do as a community and allies and our listeners to further support our Asian community and, and help us kind of get out of this space that we are and what gives you hope? Yeah, I think for me, it's, you know, always speaking up, right? I know it's not always easy and it's very scary to go out there and talk about these issues, to call out these issues that's wrong with, especially with how media portrays us, right? Uh, just last weekend, you know, I saw an article from the Washington Post and it was about COVID projections, right? And of course, the photo they put is a crowd of people and right smack in the middle is an Asian woman with a mask on. And it's like, there's so many other photos you can use other than having sent her an Asian woman with a mask. You know, that just perpetrates like the hate all over again. And then we become the blame for the pandemic. Uh, you know, talking about things like that is very important. Even last month, there was an article that got published and it, the headline was like top male Asian or top Asian male order brides to look for or to check in 2022. And I'm like, oh Seriously? my God, no way. Yeah, no, this is a real thing. And it's like, we're not uh, an object that you can just pick on a catalog and say, I want to buy her. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. We're human beings, right? And there's always, you, you can't please everybody, right? You're always going to get hate from every corner. I mean, I still get people talking to me saying like, well, why do you only focus on Asian people? Like you're the only ones who matter. Like, don't you think that's racist? And so for me, just because I empower our community doesn't mean I'm only empowering my community. You know, I, I, for me, if I empower one community, I empower everyone else. If one woman wins, every woman wins. And so, uh, you know, I believe in working in solidarity and, you know, working together for common good instead of, you know, having this fight between all these different cultures, because that doesn't get us anywhere. Right. And so it's important to talk about these issues, to call out these issues, to work with communities who have the similar vision, uh, having support, learning to ask for help is so important because our cultural background always tells us never to ask for help because it's considered shameful or a sign of weakness. And so, you know, this is why I'm always speaking up. I'm not always the best speaker. And yeah, of course I get nervous. I get scared. You know, I have sweaty palms, but if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it. Right. It has to start with ourselves uh, to, you know, make that first move to forge that path so we can have a better tomorrow. And, you know, there were times where I felt like I was alone too, but I knew it was going, um, you know, I was working towards a bigger purpose. I feel like, you know, as um, an Asian American and I grew up with my mother who's first generation Korean and, you know, that has been such a big part and continues to be a big part of my identity, even though my dad is um, American, white American. I, I've always um, connected with my Korean side. I mean, she raised me and along with my family. And I just feel like there's so many things to be so proud of and that I want to share about my culture between the food and, you know, just the way we gather together. And, um, you know, I remember my husband telling me one time, the first time when we were dating and he spent time with my family and we were at my aunt's house, like in her apartment, sitting on the floor around a table, there was like 10 of us around the table, like food just coming on. 
And we literally sat there all day and just talked, you know, through various meals. And he was like, my family, like we have nothing to say when we're sitting around a table, like we eat really quick and everybody gets up and leaves, you know? And so as I've gotten older, I just realized so many of those traditions are so special and that we should be sharing them. You know, I think Asian food has become so popular in the United States, all versions of it. I mean, I never thought in my life that I would see kimchi sauce being highlighted. You know, I grew up where we made fun of kimchi and now all of a sudden it's like in all the best restaurants, you know, it's that how do we take something like that's so relatable, such as food and, and really make that connection with other cultures so that they learn a little bit more about, you know, the various Asian cultures that, that we make up. Yeah. And food is a great conversation starter, right? You just sit on a table, eat different foods. You know, you talk about different things in your life and people get curious, you know, what did you make? What is that? want to learn more about it. You know, how did it start? And, and so for me, I mean, I love food. I love Asian food. I love, you know, Thai, Korean, Filipino, Chinese. I mean, for me, like it's just the greatest comfort food, right? We can uh, sit around a table, have the most meaningful conversations. And out of that, we learn about each other's cultural backgrounds, you know, the traditions that we do. And it's just a great way to connect. That's how I see it. Yeah, it is. It's already, it's already making me hungry. I'm like, Hmm, what do I want to eat? What do, what do you see for the Asian community in like the next five years? I feel like we've stood up and been so empowered. You know, I mean, I was just recently on, um, Bernice Chow and they had, you know, Asians in advertising, breaking the barriers. Um, we interviewed Manju with stop AAPI hate. And I feel like there's just this super empowering wave of, of Asian leaders that are really taking this on, such as yourself. Uh, you know, where do you see this group in five years? I think in five years, you know, I just keep seeing it going up, you know, getting more visibility, being taken more seriously, being accepted in more leadership roles, because now, you know, we're finding ways to create better representation, to dismantle the negative stereotypes we go through, to make that first move, to go out there and show up as your authentic self, regardless of the situation, especially with the racist attacks that's been happening. We know that staying quiet is literally is literally going to kill us. And so now is a time where we need to speak up, work together and, you know, make things better for our current and future generations. I mean, I'm going to continue out there and speak up even when there's times where I question myself is, is what I'm doing correct? Like, am I, you know, am I just wasting my time? But then when I realize there's women out there who are grateful that I share my story or, you know, some of the tips that I tell them, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. So for me, it's just going to get bigger and better and we just keep moving up. And when we keep moving up, like I mentioned, you know, this is not just about Asian people. This is for everyone, right? Everyone to learn to live harmonious, you know, as one, right? be able to coexist, be able to live uh, peaceful, right? Be able to work together and build relationships versus having, you know, the attacks that's been happening now. And it really is, you know, and I I get your comment because I have people challenge me all the time. It's like, well, why just woman or why just Asian, you know? And then when it was about, you know, when we were really in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and everything that happened with George Floyd, it's like, well, why just black lives and not all lives matter? You know, everybody's always going to have those comments, but it's like, 
it's a human rights issue, right? Like you, we all want to be treated and equally respected as human beings. And when you start being racist or making these comments um, and showing signs of hate, you're basically dehumanizing a person, whether it's their gender, whether it's their race. And as soon as you start seeing them as a non-human, that's when it gets dangerous, right? Because you don't value them as an equal person. And I think that that really is what it comes down to, whether we're talking gender, sexual preference, um, how we identify ourselves, race, it's all the same. And I think that in the end, if we all unite together, we are the majority. And, you know, I mean, if that's something that I want to see, it's how do we stop all feeling like we're the minority and just act like we're the majority? Because technically we are. Yeah, no, totally. We are. And to be honest, I don't even like using the word minority because there's nothing minor about us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't even like using that word. And You know, people don't realize in the end, people just want to belong, feel like they belong. You know, they belong to this country. You know, it's it's sad that when someone says I'm an American and they're Chinese, they're like, well, you're not American. What makes you American? You know, where are you really from? Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And even though they grew up in America, you know, they're still being seen as not American and so or not Canadian. So it is important that everyone should feel like they belong, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the country that they live in. Um, they should be able to feel safe and not have to worry about, you know, looking over their shoulders in case someone attacks them just because of the color of their skin. Um, you know, that's really something that we should work for. All women should feel safe in their home, in their own city. You know, we all should be able to go out there and have equal opportunity, uh, equal pay, you know, be, be treated as a human being, as, you know, the basic human right that we have is to be treated as a human being. So this, all this work is not just for a community, but a bigger picture and really just creating a better place in our world. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, after our episode with Manju and and Stop AAPI Hate, it's about directly impacting policy, right? And, And the fact that if you commit a crime based on you know, against Asians around COVID, it, it is a hate crime. And, and those policies are really important and who we elect to office. And, and you know, I think um, just bringing light to that. I know I was on, like, I, I had just finished um, a series on HBO. So I was like kind of looking for my next series or what I want to watch. And I went on each of the stream, the streaming um, apps, all the ones that I have. And I was looking at, they all have the AAPI segments, you know, and, and featuring API producers and, and all of that, which is great. And there's so much great content, but I'm, I specifically wanted like a historical timepiece because that's something that's really important for me. And, and I just love historical timepieces. And I'm like, why can I not find anything? You know, like I wanted a historical timepiece on the Japanese internment camps and I couldn't find anything. So then I Googled and it, there were a couple of movies, but of course it's not included in any of the streaming services, you know, as part of the, the thing. I mean, I just think basic things like that is being a little bit more aware, like if we're taking this opportunity to celebrate heritage, why not learn about the history uh, and the contribution of, you know, Asians in, in the country, right. Whether it's America or Canada. Yeah. And it's, you know, it all stems down to also like in school, we were never taught that, right. So never, nobody ever thought that, you know, we went through these things, we've achieved so much or, 
you know, we've been here for centuries, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important to have, you know, not just our culture, but everyone's culture who've uh, moved to the United States and Canada and learn from each other, right? Learn, you know, the things that they went through, the achievements they did, the, the, the historical, you know, moments in that lifetime, because we can always learn from them from different cultures and realize, you know, if they can do it, so can we. So all of this is very important to talk about, to learn from and to um, help us unite as one. Yeah. And I mean, when we think of one of the things that I've been digging into recently um, through actually AAPI month last year, um, and she's become a good friend of mine, and she is um, digging into the the Chinese influence in wine country, right? And in Napa and Sonoma, they literally got chased out of the Chinese got chased out of wine country after setting up all the vineyards, building all the home, you know, all the, the wineries and doing so much. And once they started like, you know, making enough money to make their own wine, they got chased out of there. And it's, I think there's like one article that you can find on the internet of this historical information. And she really wants to create like a documentary on that. But it's for somebody like me, my business is wine and spirits. I've been in it for over 15 years. I've had all the wine trainings, certified sommelier. I never heard about the Chinese contribution in Sonoma, Napa until she brought this to my attention. Right. So it's, if we're not a part of the history books, we're always going to look like we're just like the guests, the visitors that are just here temporarily. And that goes the same with the African-American contribution, right? When you think about, you know, some of our prized products that come out of the U.S., it's, it was definitely a lot of diverse hands that, that built that, whether it's our railroads, our bourbons, our wine, um, everything our buildings, you know, so hopefully, um, as we start sharing these stories and, and you share the stories as well, um, we'll get more of our communities to see us like we're, we're actually true contributors and, and people that, that belong here. Yeah, I totally agree. What are some stories that, that come out of all the different women that you've interviewed over the, I think you said over 700 that you've interviewed. Yeah. Any stories that just pop up, um, that, that you could share with us? Oh my God. I think we'll be here for another like three hours with all the stories that I've, I've interviewed. I mean, of course they're all phenomenal stories. And of course there's some that, you know, I can remember and just kind of stand out. Like I remember interviewing a woman who was born with no arms. And so all her life, you know, she always felt like she was different because she had no arms and, you know, wore wore prosthetic arms. So she could feel like she fit in. And there was that one moment where she decided to walk in the bus without her prosthetics, just her with no arms. And that's when she really came into her true self. And because of that, you know, she's been able to have a successful business, been able to speak around the world, become a, you know, an author and things like that. And she can do everything with her feet, you know, drive, surf, currently have a black belt. And so it's just important to realize like your limitations don't define you. If you really want to go out and do something, you're going to go out there and find a way. Even in the beginning, I, I interviewed an, a woman who her business, her, her career is writing and singing Christmas songs. And of course, Christmas only happens what three months out of the year, what recording company is going to hire specifically a Christmas song artist? 
not a lot, right? And but this was her passion since she was she was little. She loved Christmas songs. She loved singing them, writing them, and so she had to find a way to become that, right? She had to open up her own recording company to sign herself as a Christmas song artist. But she made it happen. You know, she was able to sign a contract in other countries like the Philippines, where Christmas happens half the time of the year. And so, you know, just seeing the story, these stories is so powerful and realize as women, especially as Asian women, we are so capable, right? Sometimes it's how we perceive ourselves that really stops us from making that move or making the first step. But we are more capable than we realize. Because if you were in in a, a situation where you had one hour to figure out something, you would be able to figure it out. Because if it meant, you know, life and death, you would do it. And so that's why I say women are so capable. We're so, you know, um, we, we have the skills to go out there and make things happen. It's just a confidence issue, right? Sometimes we feel like we're not enough or we need to ask for permission or we have to wait till everybody says it's okay or make sure everything is perfect to a T. But really, we don't have to. We just got to go out there and do it. And, you know, we can always figure it out along the way. So those are some of the stories. I mean, you know, I have, I've had women who've been through cancer, divorce, jail, bankruptcy, not once, twice, but three times and was able to overcome it. So there's so many different stories out there that you can listen to, that you could relate to. And even though they're all different stories, there's always similarities, right? Not, you know, such as, you know, pleasing everybody except for ourselves, not taking care of ourselves, uh, working on our mental health, uh, not feeling good enough, seeking approval from others. I mean, we all go through it, not just only Asian women, but women in general. So Mm -hmm. of course, this is something that everyone can listen to and everyone can relate to. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think through stories, we learn a lot about ourselves and other people. And I, I just like, I think the, the woman with the no arms, right. It's just like, Hey, I'm going to go out and just be my, my full authentic self. And I think that that's, that's something, um, that I personally feel like I've been working on the last couple of years, just, this is it, this is who I am. And and I've never felt better, right? So I think there's definitely something about showing up as your original self. And, and I think, yeah, your book, um, it shows, it's a lot of stories of a lot of women, Asian women, and you interview them on the Tao of Self-Confidence, but it's not just for women and just for Asian women, it, it's for anybody, right? So um, where can everybody find your podcast and your books for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So for the podcast, you can check out the Tao of Self-Confidence on our website, thetaoofselfconfidence.com. It's also on all major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. You can also um, purchase a book through the website, or you can also go to my other website, sheenayapchan.com. You can get a report called Eight Ways to Boss Up Your Confidence in Business and Life. Uh, You can also get a copy of Asian Women Who Boss Up or purchase a copy um, and, you know, just, you can also check out all my social media profiles. Just look up Sheena Yapchan. I'm literally the only Sheena Yapchan on the internet. So I'm really not hard to find. <laughs> That's great. That's surprising. It, it's, it's such an easy name to, to follow and, and to remember. So, um, lucky you that you're, you're able to own that. Well, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and all the work you're doing. And again, congratulations. And, you know, we, we really need leaders like yourself to continue empowering um, Asian women and just people in general, right? Because we, we all want to feel like we belong and um, that, that we have the same opportunities as everybody else. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast being on the show. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers. <laughs>